Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I am your host, Brett Rutherford, and joining me on today's show is Danny Russell. Danny, welcome back. It's a pleasure. So, Danny, I, every member of the hit show that I have on the show, I, I've got to ask him about their thoughts, their opinions on the way that the greatest Rays player bracket has gone down. We've seen it conclude. I think it ended the way we all thought it would, but G-Man Troy yeah. makes it all the way to the finals. Were you, were you shocked by that? Absolutely. That is recency bias at its finest. Yeah, and, that, and that's part of the game. You know, it's like G-Man, he's earned that, and... Especially while the voting was going on, he became a switch hitter for a small window in time. Hits a home run in his first day hitting right-handed. Uh, it was a laser of a home run, too. All the way out to the uh, the former Duckies deck uh, uh, tie-in with Evan Longoria there. Well, the Duckies deck, and it's also been the Captain Morgan deck forever. I it's been a lot of Captain things. Morgan is still hanging out somewhere in the stadium, maybe just not on that platform. It's weird seeing that area of the ballpark kind of empty. Like a lot of things are weird about this season, but I miss I miss some of these branded uh, parts of the stadium that the Rays have had. But a lot of weird stuff has gone on, including G-Man Troy making it all the way to the finals. I do think him being in the the folk hero bracket definitely helped his case, rather than being sure. in the the modern era bracket. He definitely would have made it to the finals, but I didn't think I, I didn't I wasn't expecting him to knock off Dan Johnson. And right. Again, if you, if you went the head bias. to head with Austin Meadows, I'm not sure he moves on, which is one of the interesting right. ideas here. Or if he's head to head with Brandon Lau, who survives? Like those two guys are best friends uh, in the clubhouse. Like they seem to be pretty close. And then you put them head to head. How does that? How does that work out in terms of fan voting on Twitter, which is also its own unique sphere of influence where we're doing these votes? Uh, Yandy Diaz survives on Twitter very easily. Does Yandy Diaz survive it when it's the uh, full population? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know about that one. But, Danny, we got you on the show to talk about some Rays baseball and more bad news on the injury front. Um, last couple episodes, it f- feels like we've been talking about more pitchers hitting the IL. Uh, Yanni Torinos getting Tommy John surgery. He's going to miss all of 2020. Sounds like he's going to be missing all of 2021. 2021 as well uh, given how late in the year that the surgery will be done uh, i mean huge blow to the Rays pitching staff a gut punch man i can't believe the just the terrible luck the unheralded yanni chirinos i mean when you think about what he and ryan yarborough were asked to do the role they were asked to play in order to get that um that step up into the majors early the rays don't seem afraid to try experiments right and instead of going out and signing new pitchers when a whole bunch of starters got hurt they did the opener experiment love it or hate it they did it he particularly rose to the occasion against the yankees improved to be a competent starter shed the opener role and really had stepped into his own and was a really important piece of this rotation now mm-hmm. He's carried us this far, and JT Morgan put on the site a great article talking about the Rays' playoff probabilities and kind of pointing out at this stage, you can get by with maybe only four starters because the Rays' playoff odds at this point are like 99%, right? So if you're trying to get into the in the playoffs, a Torino's blow is not the end of the world in terms of just getting to the postseason. But in terms of what this team is, the way the roster is constructed. And if this were a 162-game season, this would be devastating. And and there is going to be a 162-game season, we hope, next year where he's going to be missing that as well. And you look at some of his numbers. 2019 made 18 starts. He did appear in, in 26 games. He was still working behind an opener in some of those. But through 133 innings, had a 3.85 ERA, uh, walked less than two batters per nine innings, and was just extremely effective. Uh, his ground ball percentage up, uh, up over 43%, and uh, left on base percentage at 74%. Just a really solid starter. And for the race to get that out of a guy like Torino's, who was either their four or their five starter, him and Yarbrough have kind of been like interchangeable, the back end of the rotation type of guys. Uh, really impressive. And it's something that the Rays, it's going to hurt. With that being said, we've talked about it. I think you can't talk about the Rays and their pitching staff without the depth. There are guys that are going to be able to make up uh, some of the production that the Rays will be missing out on with Yanni Chirinos. Maybe not at the same level of production, 
But I, again, like JT said when he put that on the site and, and when we talk about it on, on Slack and on these other channels, it's it's not a killer for the Rays. Terrible for Yanni well, Chirinos. I mean, speaking of which, I we had expected it a while later, but Josh Fleming just made his Major League debut Yeah, and looked good. What did you think? I'm interested in your thoughts on his performance. Fleming, you you look at a guy. He doesn't have the the, the high nineties fastball that a lot of these up and coming prospects have in terms of pitchers. He still is a top thirty prospect fine. for the Rays. As a as a southpaw, you don't need to be yeah. for nineties. Definitely, he reminds me a lot of Ryan Yarbrough, where he's not going to blow the fastball by you, but he's going to have great command. He's going to have a really nice changeup and a pretty good slider. He used it a bit today. Now, I didn't watch much of his minor league career, but he was really effective at Double A Montgomery a year ago. This year, so far, after one start against the Blue Jays, who have had a pretty hot offense, loved what I saw. Again, another guy where if you look at the Rays' options for starting pitchers, he might be ninth, 10th, or 11th in terms of the entire organization but a guy that you know you can get innings out of and you know he's going to be an effective pitcher, what more can you ask for? Yeah, it's a really interesting opportunity to choose him to slot in now. And we should that's what we really should talk about is this idea of who fills in these roster spots and how is the roster constructed in 2020. That's an interesting idea. But your Ryan Yarbrough comparison is very fair. When I talk to talent evaluators in the Rays system, they talk about him as Ryan Yarbrough with a better fastball. And just that concept is tantalizing to think because, well, I mean, Ryan Yarbrough has been the most consistent starter on this team since the start of 2019. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has been a rock that the Rays have relied upon. And if you can get another one of those, why wouldn't you? If you could copy and paste Ryan Yarbrough, you would. And if Fleming is an opportunity to do that with maybe more juice behind the fastball when you compare those two pitchers to one another. I mean, why the heck wouldn't you promote him? Now, the answer to why the heck you wouldn't is because there's other higher-rated, higher-regarded starting pitchers, not only in the race system, but also just a phone call away in Port Charlotte right now at the alternate training site. And so it's really interesting to see him get the call now when the pressure's kind of off in terms of getting to the postseason Maybe you're not as worried about starting that uh, uh, that clock ticking, if you will, for um, <laughs> when uh, when rookie status is something within reach, or if you qualify for super twin things like that. I don't think you'll be upset if you demote Fleming again. He might only mm-hmm. make this one start in all of 2020, and and we'll be okay. He's not a top arm. He's not a top prospect. He did not come with the pomp and circumstance. But uh, I I mean, what a killer opportunity for him to get the phone call and to come up ahead of Shane McClanahan, ahead of Shane Boz, for that matter. It's fascinating. Sam McWilliams also in the mix. Now, I don't know if they could see him as a starter long-term, uh, but another guy that, that's looked really good at the alternate site from, from everything we've been hearing. Um, but you talk about why he was called up. Brendan McKay also out for the season. Uh, right. Another bummer. And now I don't know how much we would have seen of Brendan McKay, but if, you know, with Trinos goes down oh, and some of these no, other pitchers I know the go down, I know you the definitely would have seen him. Brendan McKay healthy to start game uh, or the beginning of the season. He wouldn't have been a game one starter, but he would have been in the five man rotation to start the year. Guaranteed hands down. If he's healthy, he is one of the five best starting pitchers that the Rays have. Now the exploratory shoulder surgery revealed a labrum issue. We don't know what that means. A labrum issue uh, (laughs) runs the gamut from, Uh, We just had to clean up some like weird scar that healed all the way to we had to drop anchors to reattach it, right? We don't know the extent of the surgery. It's a big freaking mystery and the Rays have no incentive to tell us what it is. Maybe it comes out eventually, but um, it, you want to talk about injuries that hurt the Rays chances in 2021 in particular, McKay is a bigger loss than Sharina's. Mm -hmm. Do you think that maybe this is a case of there's no minor league season, the Rays look like they're heading to the postseason, and winning the division doesn't mean as much as it would in a normal year because everyone's playing in the first round. No one gets automatically into the divisional series. The Rays decided to have this surgery with McKay, shut him down for a weird season like this to have him you know, try to get fully ramped up by 2021. It's not a decision that's made lightly, and it's clear that he had some kind of weirdness 
uh, both with his shoulder and his stamina last year when he was on a six-day pitching rotation instead of five-day. Um, because of that, he ended up one inning shy of getting rookie status. Um, but no one elects to take surgery lightly. I mean, think about your own yeah. personal life. If, uh, if your dad picked up the phone, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go have exploratory heart surgery. You'd be like, oh, <laughs> hold on a second. That's, you know, you don't do that unless something is wrong man right and like you're just not getting better and so it's just devastating to lose him we have no idea what the situation is um i do think it's an enough of a conversation to push the raise possibly into the discussion of uh the trade deadline and ian malinowski and i have a back and forth that we're getting ready to put on the site where we discuss should the raise be uh on the trade market like who would they look for are you looking for a long reliever are you looking for a starter i i i hope that Y'all read that and you enjoy it, but um, I, I think McKay and Chirinos being out and Morton not returning on schedule like he, he should have uh, in the slot that Sleggers was the starting mm -hmm. pitcher for. Sleggers, who unexpectedly threw four innings of a no-hitter. <laughs> yeah. I just bag, baffling, boggles the mind. Um, the, the Rays rotation in terms of 2021 might be in trouble. The Rays rotation in terms of 2020 can get by. Let's jump into that right now, uh, since we're already kind of on that subject. The trade sure. deadline, August 31st this year, uh, a month later, because if it was July 31st, it would have been a week into the season. It's going to be an interesting trade deadline. From from what I at least think, it's going to be a very quiet trade deadline. If the Rays, one, should the Rays go get a starting pitcher, if there's one available? And two, may, do you have any names that you, you, you think they could go after? Yeah, I mean, so there's there's some pretty obvious names uh, when you think about who might be sellers. And if you look at the playoff odds, you can kind of figure it out for yourself. Open up fan graphs, go to playoff odds, look at who's at the bottom, right? And the answer starts to become the Detroit Tigers and the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> it's yeah. really straightforward. Oh, and the Pittsburgh Pirates, but uh, there's a reason they're bottom of the <laughs> – unless you really want cool or, or you want to uh, – KUHL is one of their pitchers, like – there's, they already had a really uh, good righty that they traded to the Rays a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, don't, I can't imagine the Pirates are picking up the phone if it's Eric Neander on the caller ID, right? They're just going to hit uh, decline. At this stage, it's like, uh, send a voicemail. <laughs> that, that text message option on the iPhone that says, sorry, I can't talk right now, that is, that is their friend. No, um, Definitely. so there's, there's interesting options. The Giants don't seem like they're competing in particular. They're more like this team that's kind of figuring out what they have on hand which is kind of what the Miami Marlins are doing too. But the Marlins at least seem to be positioning themselves a little bit better in terms of their division, in terms of playoff odds. Um, they seem to feel like they might be able to go for it. And I could totally see the Giants being like, actually, maybe not. Um, they, the, and that's the way their contracts were structured this year in general. They picked up Gossman and they picked up Smiley. And they're all like, they, these contracts are about to expire. So if the Rays are looking for a stopgap in terms of eating up innings, in terms of maybe trying to unlock something for the playoffs, if you're looking for a little bit X factor and you're looking for something proven, I really like Kevin Gossman. If you're looking for long relievers, then I, I'm saying maybe we pick up the phone and call Detroit. Maybe more likely is picking up a reliever, if I'm being honest, because Chaz Rowe and Nick Anderson just got placed on the injured list. The Nick Anderson one seems to be uh, just out of uh, an abundance of caution. He had some kind of like weird inflammation in his forearm, and he was like, that's weird. Uh, they looked at it. He seems completely fine, but they put him on the IL anyway. Um, Chaz Rowe, it's a little bit more intense. It's more like this is an elbow injury. We need to see what happens. He went on the IL. Uh, I know the Rays already picked up Edgar Garcia. Now, that very easily might have flown under the radar, uh, but Edgar Garcia uh, was a Phillies uh, reliever, and the Phillies were desperate for relievers and actually just made a big trade that mm -hmm. might set the market for the entire trade deadline. Fascinating trade. We could talk about it. But yeah, before will. they did that, they preemptively DFA'd Edgar Garcia. Edgar Garcia, a 22-year-old who has major league experience, has a fast well, that's maybe up to 95, maybe like 94. That's good. Uh, and it just hadn't figured it out yet. And that's 
not a surprise in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> you know, his major league numbers were fine, right? Yeah, this is a high strikeout guy. The, the, the Rays, the Rays yeah. love these types of pitchers. Uh, you look at his numbers. He pitched 39 innings for the big league club last year in Philadelphia. Had a 5.77 ERA, but in those 39 innings, struck out 45 batters. Did walk 26, right. so the walks are concerning. But like you said, he's 22. Plenty of time to figure it out. Right, and those kids bounce. It's fine. Uh, a 22-year-old who has 45 strikeouts in 35 innings is amazing, right? I don't care how right. many walks he has. You stash him back in the alternate training site. What are the Phillies doing cutting this guy now? I, I've tried asking around in the Rays, outside the Rays, why was Edgar Garcia available to the Rays when they went him up off of the off of the waiver wire, or whatever? Every single one of these transactions that are players getting cut, like Daniel Robertson, who's going to the Giants, it's for a player to be named later, right? Uh, no one really knows in 2020 what trades really look like. You build shortlists, so you submit it back and forth, and you figure it out later. Edgar Garcia is a Rays property now, right? Oh, wait, that sounded really weird. Uh, his contract <laughs> belongs to the Rays. Yes. Please forgive me. Uh, and and he's going to be in the alternative training site, and that's fine. And if the Rays he was recalled today, to just actually, be killing it. Oh, is he up? Okay, so that's yeah, fine, he, right? Nick Anderson to the IL, bring up Garcia. Let him talk to Kyle Snyder some. Let's see what's going on. They have the pitching labs set up in Tropicana Field, and let, let's get to work. Let's figure out what this kid has. It makes zero sense that the Phillies are like, nah, I don't know what to do with this kid. Yeah, it, it threw me off guard. Uh the other move that didn't really throw me off guard, and you mentioned it, Daniel Robertson. So oh, yeah. Dominic and I, we talked about D-Rob on last week's episode, how his future with the team was pretty hazy, given that Michael Brasso kind of ate his lunch, made the big league roster, and has performed really well um, in 2020. Really well. There's really no spot for Daniel Robertson on the roster anymore. You look at the, the, the young talent that's coming up through the race system that are middle infielders that can play second and third base. And Daniel Robertson, after the knee injury, like, it just wasn't a fit. But he gets traded to the Giants. Danny, I mean, D-Rob's still a big league ball player, don't you think? A hundred percent. And he just didn't have the same defensive versatility that Brasso had. He did not have the exact same uh, trust, level of trust that the Rays had in Brasso at this point. Um, And also, it's just a change of scenery candidate, man. Yeah. It when you have been camped out on an organization's roster for as many years as Robertson has, right? Years in waiting to take over at shortstop, your number never getting called, hoping to become a platoon player, that never working out either. Like just go somewhere else, see what see what happens, man. And it's a bummer because sometimes those players click, right? Uh, the Yankees have multiple starting players on their roster where a guy just needed to change his scenery. And then Urshela and Voigt have the corners of the infield locked down and have 150 WRC plus, right? It's astounding that they were able to get those guys off the scrap heap and infuriating, right? Those are the kind of players that Daniel Robertson is hoping to become. That is now his path forward is trying to follow in the steps of good players that, are in an awkward place from a roster perspective, uh, don't fit the functional bench need, maybe or something more, get a change of scenery, let's try it out. I wish him the best. Um, he's he's a good player. It's just that Michael Brasso is a extremely good player, at least in this platoon bench role. So, Yeah, I, I really like Brasso there. I know I had uh, JT Morgan on the show right before the season started asking Mm -hmm. him, is there going to be an opportunity for Brasso to get any plate appearances this year? And he was like, no chance. They've got Daniel Robertson. (laughs) Um, And I love JT, but uh, I love seeing Brasso succeed. He loves seeing Brasso succeed. Um, But it was a guy that there was a lot of doubt around. And so far this season, he has completely, uh, as we like to say, silenced the haters so uh you go mike brasso danny you mentioned it a second ago but the red sox and the phillies pulled off a trade really the first trade of note you know in in this season heath hembry and brandon workman are headed to philadelphia nick pavetta coming back to the boston red sox in this trade 
as well as an, another prospect as well, Seabold, a Connor Seabold. Or, oh, yeah. I don't know the first name. Oh, yeah. Going back to Boston, how do you feel about this one? I am furious, but a little interested. Um, you know, I said earlier it sets the market. So the Phillies, who didn't like their in-house options and whose bullpen is as effective as your grandmother, right? Throwing <laughs> the baseball right now. We, they needed relievers. Boston is, you know, everything on their team is for sale. Uh, their two best relievers are going to the Phillies, but their two best relievers are like six, seven in the Rays bullpen. These are not good relievers. On their best day, they're a four and a half ERA, right? They might get a save, but it's going to be ugly as I'll get out. I don't understand why you would overpay. And when I, when I say overpay, I mean literally I think Philly paid twice as much as they should have for these two bad relievers. And they're not just bad because they come from Boston. I'm saying bad because when you are in a 2020 environment and you're thinking about the playoffs and you're trying to make this push and you're looking for elite arms that you could potentially unlock, quote unquote, Boston's a smart organization. Workman is as good as he's going to get. He's not going to get better than what he is right now. What are you shelling out for? I honestly am super surprised at this trade. And so if you take one of those two, Pavetta, right? Pavetta, who they had decided to ship to the bullpen, because again, Philly has huge desperation for their bullpen. Pavetta's a starter. One of his, if you think back in terms of Ray's mindset, think back to when we traded for Nate Carnes, right? Mm-hmm. He got injured, so that's not the best comp. But when you think about to what the comments were by Andrew Friedman at the time and why they valued him, it was a fastball that rides. It's shoulders that can carry the load, right? Boston is just needs people to eat innings. We need to get Ryan Weber out of the starting rotation if you're Boston. Pavetta is great for that. And he has the opportunity to maybe put some things together because good pitchers adapt, good pitchers improve. And he needs to be in an environment where he continues to get reps to start. And if you told me this trade was Pavetta for those two relievers, great. Makes sense. The price is decent. Uh, it totally makes sense for both sides to just kind of swap assets in that regard. But for Philly to throw Seabold in just blows my mind. Now, Seabold, not a ranked prospect. I don't think so. Have you, have you looked at that? He is 21st now in the Red Sox organization. Okay, that's fine. Uh, he he wasn't a top 10 in the Philly system, but that's a mistake because I, I did some asking around at other orgs and also talking to people who, who uh, have some scout contacts that have seen Siebold. And at a minimum, in terms of future value grade, uh, so FV, if you read fan graphs, he's an FV 50 at his floor. And I mm. talked to one person who told me he was a 60. And I am furious. A 60 is a number three in the rotation. Siebold might be really good. Now, I can't find other people to agree with that 60 grade, but I am furious because if you think about what Pavetta is, he's already in the majors, but that's the same idea, right? You're looking for someone who you hope can be a three. In Boston's rotation, he's probably a three today. That's fine. You just copy and pasted. We talked about that with Fleming and Yarbrough. We just copy and pasted Pavetta and Siebold. I cannot believe we are doubling up the cost of two crap relievers. It, it makes me so mad. P- Pavetta 2.8 wins above replacement, and that's through fan graphs in 2018. Through 164 innings, had over 10 strikeouts per nine. The walks were not bad at all. He does not have to be that good to be worth more th- than Workman and Henry. You add Seabold to that, and this trade yeah like you said it doesn't make sense for the phillies it smelled of, of desperation i think uh in, in, in an organization that has made all these big moves they got jt real muto they got bryce harper they got Didi gregorius but for some reason still can't figure it out they're trying to make something happen they brought in a new manager the gabe kapler lasted like two seasons there he's out in no, san francisco yeah. now they bring in joe girardi like they've made a lot of these big ticket moves which haven't worked now they feel like they need to go out and get guys like Hembry and Workman. I, I don't know. It just feels like 
this could really come back to bite them and it could really help out Boston in the near future and in the long term as well. It's a major league fastball in Siebold. It's a, it's a major league slider. It's a plus changeup. One person told me it was plus plus, which is astounding. And he could go three times through the order. Why are you trading that away? <laughs> Sorry to yell, but it's like, I, I just don't get it. You know, that, that's more than Fleming. Ah, it makes no this, sense to me. And, and, so and here's, why I'm mad. here's why I'm mad. Well, way to go, Heim, right? Heim did done good, right? He will always be haunted by the Mookie Betts trade, but good job by you. Wasn't his uh, fault. Exactly. He got hired because that trade had already been made, right? Yeah. Um, he was willing to do that dance with the devil. If the Rays are looking to improve their bullpen – a, they're looking for things much better than what the Phillies got. And B, the Phillies just slapped the price on that as being two starting pitchers, right? Yeah. If the Rays were trying to pull off that trade and that's the price, like, I... I so let's see about what the Rays it? need because we talked about it earlier. It's not worth it. Let's talk about what the Rays need. The Rays probably need a really good reliever unless you're willing to promote boz mcclanahan try something with your elite starting pitcher prospects you could throw 100 miles an hour or whatever bring them up sure that's a different conversation i would love to do that i think it'd be very fun you know let's go david price with it right let's, mm -hmm. let's bring up the good kids and let them go into the bullpen. If you're looking for someone to shut things down because Nick Anderson is sidelined, because Chaz Rowe is sidelined, because you're now uh, relying on Aaron Loop to get saves, right? Oliver Drake, who uh, <laughs> came out of nowhere to do that, also injured. Like, you probably need some high leverage relief help in season right now. And I'm starting to get really concerned that the price for that is going to be sky high. You're going to have to get someone broken. You're going to have to get someone that's not excelling right now you can't get someone that's like a 20 save dude in his current state in his current form you need to get someone that you can unlock and that's a really difficult song and dance i think there's an i think there's an answer to that but i think it's really hard to pull off you look at the the format for this season though so if you do want to go all out if you think okay we need x amount of relievers let's say that number's two you want to bring in two relievers it's not like winning the division and making the push for the division makes that big of a difference going into the postseason. Everyone's playing this best of three series in the first round. You're going to be playing a team that was at least okay, and in a three-game series, anything can happen. So to pay that price for relievers in a season where no matter what, you could be knocked out in a couple of games by a 500 team, is it worth it? I mean... That's the story with every single trade they make for an X-Factor player, right? Uh, right. It's, it's a little easier when you think about take the NFL, right? What are the Rams trading for Jalen Ramsey? You know, we, we've got Florida people listening to this podcast, right? So you might be Jaguars fans, and if so, God bless you. Or Florida State fans. Jalen Ramsey, right? Jalen Ramsey netted the Jaguars two first round draft picks plus another pick. You have to pay up if you want an X factor player and it's going to hurt badly. And the Rams were nowhere close to sniffing the playoffs. Right. And if they want to keep Ramsey around after this upcoming COVID season, you're going to have to pay through the nose. So are those X factor players available though? I mean, like, Hembry and Workman aren't X-Factor players. We agree on that. But then if that's the case, yes. who is and who's available in a season like this with so many more teams in, that are competing for playoff spots? I mean, that's the, uh, that's the other half of this coin, right? There are 16 playoff so spots available. Everyone thinks they're getting in, right? And there's no one on the Tigers' bullpen that is a high-leverage reliever that the Rays would trust it's really yeah. difficult to think about where are the X factors. Uh, I, so if we're talking about broken pieces and we're talking about an X factor from 2019, if you're willing to buy into 2019 and maybe overlook some struggles early on in this weird pandemic season, there's a very clear answer 
on the Royals. The Royals, outside looking in on the playoffs, but even if they're approaching it, they've got two relievers that after this season are free agents, and they're just kind of messing around with them, right? They're seeing if they can be the high leverage answer. And one of those is Trevor Rosenthal, who is kind of doing a little reclamation project over in the Royals bullpen, not interested personally. And then they have Ian Kennedy. And actually, let me go, but his 2020 is atrocious, just being honest with you. And Mm -hmm. so I know throwing him out there, some people are going to be like, no thanks, right? They might have seen uh, the results so far. But we're talking about 10 innings. And in 10 innings, he's given up a whole bunch of home runs. Yeah, that, that sucks, right? But that's also not sustainable. Good pitchers don't just magically become nine ERA dudes, right? When you were under four last year. So let me go look up his stats. We've got 63 games, 30 saves, if you like saves. If you don't, whatever. A sub three FIP. So if you don't like saves, you like FIP, right? 299. Astounding performance once he transitioned from a starting role, an expensive starting role, into the bullpen. Very expensive reliever. Now, money in 2020 means nothing because it's all prorated. And if you only make a trade based on money this season, you're not even going to try to win, right? <laughs> His strikeout rate is phenomenal, 27%. When he was a starter, that was like 20. And he had a little bit of a walk problem, but you can work around that. If you need a high leverage dude, this guy is performing way, running circles around the league in terms of relievers in 2019. In 2020, we've got some problems, and it has to do with the long ball. And if you're willing to maybe trade less, I mean, think about what the Red Sox just got for two weird, not great relievers. If you are willing to put aside six home runs allowed in what, 10 games, 11 games. He's been in 11 games. One is an opener. And then he's given up six home runs. We know that's small sample size theater. We know that's not who Ian Kennedy is. His trade value might be a little bit lower. And, and then you got that high leverage guy. If you, I, I know I'm bad. I'm a bad analytics guy because I think wins and losses tell you a story. I think saves tell you a story. I think there, there is value to the old school stats. RBIs do mean something when you talk about them, right? They mean 30 something. saves, but gone had 20. This yeah. dude shut down 30 games. He's a high leverage reliever. That's all you need to know from that stat. And that's all the value you can get out of it. But he is a high leverage reliever. And I think the Rays could figure out the home run problem. That was, a, that was too much about Ian Kennedy. I'll get off my soapbox now. No, I think he's one of those guys that is not going to be crazy high price. Um, given what the Red Sox and the Phillies did again, and we've been talking about it a lot, is going to raise that price no matter how you look at it. But he is a veteran in this league. He's worked a ton of innings in his career, almost uh, like 2,000 in total. He's, he's over 1,750. Uh, and last year, it was incredibly good. And you say, you know, the home runs caused a bit of an issue in 2020. Still only six home runs allowed. It's not like this is something that's been going on for the entire season and through the dog days of summer. We are still working with such an incredibly small sample size in an already weird season. Personally, I think you're still taking a big gamble. But if Chaz Rowe is out for a while, even if he's out for a month, that's like most of the rest of the regular season. And if, God forbid, this Nick Anderson problem turns into something bigger, hmm. the Ray, I think that's going to force the Rays' hand. They're going to have to make some sort of move to try to secure the bullpen. Because even though these guys we've got coming up from Port Charlotte are effective and they're eating up innings, I don't necessarily want Ryan Thompson in the game with the game on the line in the postseason. I, I don't know how you feel about that, though. I um, would want to go hide behind my couch if Ryan Thompson is <laughs> yeah. so high leverage. I like Ryan Thompson. Not a knock on him. I mean, he's he's. let's talk about what the Rays have been up to because um, I think we need to visit that real quick because we've talked about yeah. Fleming and I've mentioned Sluggers. Um, we were talking about this before the pod and we should go there, right? Why are the Rays throwing Sean Gilmartin out there? Why are the Rays turning to Aaron Sleggers to start a game and pitch four innings and try to go twice to the order against the Blue Jays? 
I've been able to talk to some guys in the front office and try to understand the mentality here. And it's basically, let's find out what we got. The Rays are already good. There is holes in the pitching, right? You mentioned Sam McWilliams. We might see him soon. He's on the taxi squad when the Rays travel, right? He might be able to mop up some innings too. Sam McWilliams, not a top prospect. Ryan Thompson and Sean Gil Martin, if you told me at the end of 2019 they would throw meaningful innings for the Rays, I would have said, okay, I guess I'll watch in 2021, right? It, <laughs> it was, I just assume it's a lost season. Instead, the Rays are saying, we've got all these pieces out here where we see aspects of value. Let's see what we can get out of weird arm angles. Let's see what we can get out of Shango Martin if we've stretched him out into a starter's role. Let's see what we can unlock from peripheral players that can kind of fill the gap on an already very good team where now the Rays are saying we have room to play with these. You're not relying on your highest rated top prospects to come in and save the day and potentially struggle. We know the Rays like to put their prospects in a position to succeed, right? They promote dudes when they're ready to be lights out, not when they're desperate to, to see what can happen. It's Gil Martin fills to, the warm body role fill, though for me. You know, yeah, it's, like, the, oh. it's just, he's not good. I don't expect him to be good. And I think the, I don't think there's any situation in which the Rays expect him to be good moving forward. Well, I trick. definitely think he's just there to, 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 to fill in um, because for whatever reason, uh, maybe the, the, the development of some of these younger guys, these more heralded prospects, I mean, Gil Martin's not a prospect. He's just a guy, but he's just a guy. They're, 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 they're holding these guys back because like, the playoffs are already like, locked up. Like you, you can't throw Gil Martin out there for nine innings a night and still go to the playoffs. But it's like you don't need to force force guys like Anthony Bonner to pick up more innings or force guys like Sam McWilliams onto the active roster yet. And, and I'm fine with that at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where you go from here if you're the Rays and if you're at the trade market. You probably just keep filling in with these warm bodies, right? We're not desperate to be in playoff position. And we just need to get by. I because healthy, who are, who are you going to pick up the phone and call? Who are you going to call? Right? If you think about all the good relievers from last year, they're not on one of these teams that are on the outside looking in in terms of the playoffs. And because a lot of teams think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah. So, <laughs> you look at the Fangraphs playoff odds in the National League, especially. I think it's all but one or two teams that have at least a twenty percent chance of making it. Which, you know, yeah, 20% is not a whole lot. But a lot of teams could get in there. The American League, it's a little more cut and dry. Uh, the, the Blue Jays are maybe one of those bubble teams. Um, but everything else is kind of decided at this point. But it's just so weird. And I, I don't know how much, and, and Danny, maybe you can speak to this, this, this mindset actually exists in Major League front offices. But mm-hmm. it definitely exists in, like, baseball fans. Why would you want to make a trade with the Rays? You've seen how often they've committed highway robbery, <laughs> how often they've brought these guys in that have had tons of success. Like, does that exist in, like, actual front offices in terms of trades with the Rays? No, because the Rays talk them to themselves into some players where they're willing to overpay a little bit in terms of what you would expect, right? There, yeah. is, there is two sides to that coin, right? If you told me that the Rays were going to send Tommy Pham, Cronenworth, uh, and Pagan to the Padres and what they would get back. I'd be like, that's really weird. But the answer is because they love the prospect they got. They were mm-hmm. in love with Xavier Edwards. They started there and then they built out, let's add Renfro. Let's add, uh, you know, he can be our new Avi Garcia. Let's add Margot. Why not? He can back up in center field in case KK gets hurt. Like you, you get it. You understand it, but it's a lot of safeguarding and you're just getting pieces to, to play part-time roles. And what did you give up your best hitter for? What did you give up your closer for? What are you getting back out of this? Oh, the Rays are obsessed with Xavier Edwards, a second base prospect, and they need to make sure that they get the second baseman. Oh, by the way, your second baseman is the best hitter in the American League right now. What are you doing? He's on like a 6 With Vidal Brujan right or, behind him. You know, and hey, Juan gosh, Franco, where's he going to play? Right, but they love oh, oh god, uh, third base, short. I don't know. It's <laughs> it's so weird to be acquiring a second baseman, Vidal Bruhan. I thought he was good, right? Like, what are right. we what are we doing? 
um, the Rays talked themselves into uh, Peter Fairbanks, a dude who's had Tommy John surgery twice. I like Fairbanks. Twice. <laughs> and they cut a dude who's extremely similar in uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever. And uh, Ian Jabot, I'm just whatever. And then you give up <laughs> Nick Solak, who's a fringe top 100 prospect, who the Rangers are rolling out in center field for zero reason. I cannot tell you what the uh, Rangers are doing with him defensively. Uh, but weird Nick stuff Solak, in center fantastic field. hitting prospect. Fantastic hitter. He could have been the DH instead of uh, Jose Martinez, and then you're not making that trade, right? But the Rays talk themselves into deals that they want to make. We want Xavier Edwards. We want Peter Fairbanks. Then you can get the Rays to pay up. So if your question is, the Rays commit highway robbery so often, why would you make a trade with them? It's because they might be honed in on something specific and pay up for it. So we've seen both things. So you're saying that if I am a, a GM from X major league team, that's not the Rays, and I've either got a tall, uh, lanky pitcher with a good fastball and, and, a, and a good slider to go with it, and or a middle infielder that can maybe play another position, that can maybe swipe some bags, gets on base, plays good defense, I should be calling the Rays rather than the Rays calling me and, and trying to, to acquire some, some top talent because the Rays farm system and the guys they have on the active roster, tons of, of talent there. Uh, yeah, I think, I think those are all great points. Still not convinced the Rays are going to make any moves. Uh, I would right. like to maybe see them add a reliever, but again, Really depends on I'm, and and maybe I'm 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 in the camp where, especially in a season like this, where not a guarantee that the season's going to finish, and that's not the reason you should hold off on making trades. But with all these uncertainties about the season and, and the playoff format, I don't really want to leverage the future in order to to go quote unquote all in this year. Um, sure. But the, the the chance to win and to win a World Series is there for the taking this year for the Rays. And that can't be ignored either. And it's going to make things really interesting in the next in the next week or so. Do you have the playoff odds open in front of you? I can get them in a few seconds. We are loading let's, on fan let's, let's find out. 99% to make the, the playoffs uh, for the Rays, according to fan graphs. I love that. Let's talk about who's at the bottom. Who is at the, uh, the rock bottom? Of the, of all of baseball or of the American yeah. League East, in both. all of baseball we've got the uh, Pirates at half a percentage point to make the playoffs, and then right above them. So looking at the roster, uh, R.J. Anderson no flagged uh, what Richard Rodriguez or something like that as a potential yeah. bullpen guy that you might want from. The, it, that's the requisite the Pirates will sell. That when the Pirates move on. Yeah, Mariners one point one percent in the AL West. Okay. So the Mariners have Taiwan Walker, right? So if you want to talk about thinking you can fix broken toys, uh, I might look into that. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see a team like Boston trade for Taiwan Walker, right? Someone who just needs innings and can mess around a little bit. And then, you know, if he actually becomes something good, you know, there's always a qualifying offer, which the Rays would never extend, but... Um, you know, you can try to, like, leverage that into a new contract, something like that. But Mariners, um, I don't no think so. No one I can think of. Matt McGill. Is anyone else uh, below 10%? In the American League, we've got the Red Sox, the Rangers, the Tigers, and that's it in all of baseball. The, the Orioles are still sitting at 12.4 and the Royals at 10.9. Where are the Nationals? The Nationals are at... 31.6% to make the playoffs at 11 yeah. and 14. This, this trade deadline is too soon. Yeah, It's just too soon to understand who is going to be sellers, who is actually going to have something available. It, it doesn't make sense. I, I, I'm not in love with uh, this season. I'm not in love with the trade deadline. It, it's not shocking at all to think no one of value is going to be available. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, and and again, you know, uh, you got Carl Edwards with the uh, Seattle Mariners. I don't know if he's hurt. He's only thrown four and two thirds innings this year. Uh, Johan Ramirez, an interesting name. Dan Altavilla's had some success in the past. Six five two ERA this year, but only a three six seven FIP. Um, again, you know, these are guys that 
it's a question mark whether or not they're better than some of the guys that the Rays ha- already have in the system. So Or have given up. I mean, so you, we mentioned the Mariners a second ago. They're like second best relievers, a guy named Anthony uh, Mishevitz. That was yeah, actually a trade with the Rays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, that was one of ours. We gave him away, right? Um, and well. what not there like closer, a 29-year-old? A what's his name? It's like a 29-year-old prospect. Uh, no it was a clue. waiver claim. Yeah. <laughs> Here, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Taylor Williams. Williams. <laughs> right. So he's got 11 innings pitched, 3.27 ERA, 3.07 FIP. Uh, he's got five saves. If you like saves, you don't have to. 34% strikeout rate, 9% walk rate. So the Mariners might be willing to trade him because they got him for nothing, right? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that was a waiver claim for them, and the fastball and slider are really good. So maybe maybe that guy is completely available, and the Rays are like, meh, why not? We've traded with the Mariners so many times. They like something that's superfluous to our system. Our system's crazy deep. I could see that. So to button up that conversation, I could see that trade. I just don't see any sellers. Yeah, it's it's hard and it's it, it brings it to this. It's like, yeah, I, I think the Rays will do something. Now, whether that is something of note, like we'll talk about it on the podcast if they make a move, but whether or not it's going to change the course of the season uh, for, for better or for worse, I don't see the Rays either A, taking that gamble or, or B, being able to, uh, given you know what happens when we, we look around the league. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't think there's going to be any other big ticket names moving, but usually there's always one, maybe two trades that throw us off guard in a normal season. Strange, we've seen stranger things happen before, so why not this year a, a blockbuster deal uh, somewhere else around the league? Danny, we got to talk about it before we wrap up the show. Yankee right, Stadium, so, yeah. for the last couple of years, has been a yeah. house of horrors for the Rays. Two and eight right. there last year. This year, they go in there, complete a 10-game road trip with a sweep of the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, finish the road trip at 9-1. and one. In terms of the team and, and where they're going and where they see themselves going, how much of a morale booster, and I know there's no fans at Yankee Stadium, that changes things, but how much of a morale booster is it to go into that ballpark to pick up three wins and to, to really kind of, yeah, it's, they have a half game lead on the division now, but what does it mean for that team to go in there and, and, and play like they did? It teaches a really good lesson to the players to believe that you're good enough to do this. Now the Yankees came to town before, uh, took three of four from them in Tropicana field. The one you lose is what the Garrett Cole game, right? Mm-hmm. But even then you chase Garrett Cole after five innings, I believe. And then you walk into Yankee Stadium. They don't have all of their best hitters available. That some of them are injured. I don't like playing, you know, your top rival with some players out, right? I want to beat them at their mm-hmm. strongest form. And Aaron Judge isn't on the field, so eh, there's a, there's some give and take there. But the Yankees did not rise to the occasion. The Rays took them to the curb. Uh, and in terms of morale booster, absolutely. But the lesson that the Rays players should be taking away from this is we can. Uh, we can outrun and outlast any of these starting pitchers that teams are going to throw at us because every starting pitcher in baseball, no matter how great of a game you're having, James Paxton, Garrett Cole, doesn't matter. 80 pitches, you're toast, mm-hmm. right? The Rays need to hold on in terms of the pitching performance for those first couple innings, and then you can take off at the end of the game. Look at this Blue Jays series, right? The Blue Jays series that's happening right now as we record this. Yeah. You – the first and second game went to extra innings and they were one run affairs, one run uh, in favor, one against, right? You win one, you lose one. You just got to survive to the end of these games because these starters, no matter if they're doing well or not, are not going to last as long as they would in a normal season. So that's the lesson I take out of this. You just faced your best opponent and you swept them. And that's because you could outlast anything they were throwing at you. That's yeah, that's a morale booster for sure. But most of all, it's a, it's a lesson for the playoffs and a lesson for the rest of the season. You can take this team, no matter who's coming up against you. One last question for you before we wrap things up today. Brandon Lau, LMVP candidate, yes or no? <laughs> I think he gets votes. 
Uh, I don't think there's a chance that uh, snowball's chance in hell, if you will, of him walking yeah. away with that. Uh, if he's performing at the same rate, you know, who else do you take? But Brandon Lau, even if he doesn't win the MVP, I mean, what have you just thought about his season? If you could describe it in a couple sentences. Um, unexpected, right? We knew the Rays trusted him because he keeps batting like second this season, right? The Rays have been treating him like he's the best hitter on the team, and I appreciate that. Uh, But, I mean, he's a true 5'9", like 160, 165. Like, he's not Aaron Judge, right? Mm. He's Mm. not maxing out the settings on the video game. And I don't mean that to wax poetic about Aaron Judge. I mean, Aaron Judge is huge. That's all I mean by that, right? Right. And if you look at... Lau's results in terms of the home run rate and an ISO near 400, which makes no sense, right? To be coming from a 5'9", dude, this reminds me, it would have to be the Altuve season. That's what you would need for the season that Altuve won the MVP. You need one of those to come again, right? Is it possible this season? Sure. Mike Trout, if you were to pull up the Fangraph standings, is not currently in the top 10. Well, that's exciting. You know, can he outlast uh, what rookie Kyle Lewis, right? Is uh, yeah. unlikely to get the MVP. Uh, Nelson Cruz, unlikely to get the MVP. So your competition you starts to become. Oh, yeah, for sure. I bet he is in the top 10. But like, uh, if I had to bet today, I could totally see the, the vote going toward like Anthony Rendon. Ugh. You know, come on. We need Brandon Lau votes. I would love it to go to Brandon Lau. Right. We've had if rookie the of the year. Ended today. If the season ended today, there is a non-zero chance it goes to Brandon Lau. Knowing the way that this voting typically goes, they probably give it to freaking Garrett Cole or something. <laughs> For sure. Anything but to give it to Brandon Lau. But we've had rookies of the year. We've had Cy Young Award winner, managers of the year. Missing that MVP on, on the trophy case. I know it's a weird season to do it in. I, w- I would love, love I would love Lau. I would love nothing more. Then Brandon Lau to get an MVP. If Brandon Lau wins an MVP, I will buy a jersey and wear it. Not a shirtsy. We're talking jersey. I'm talking jersey. I will finally. Boggs will go. Longo will go into the closet. (laughs) My third jersey. Sure, it could be Brandon Lau. Listen here, I'm still rocking a Corey Dickerson jersey, another former uh, Rays All-Star. You got a big uh, swinging in your closet? I sure do. It's probably because I just haven't got another one since he was on the team. Right, you've been holding that uh, on me. I've, I've been breaking it out every every once in a while. But that is going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. A uh, big thank you to Danny Russell for hopping on. He was great, as he always is. If you want new episodes of this podcast downloaded directly to your device, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. You'll get new episodes of this show and the hit show, which Danny Russell is also on. Uh, Rating and reviewing this podcast, if your platform allows it, is the best way to keep spreading what we do to more and more Rays fans. Make sure to keep checking out all the great work over at DRaysBay.com. Tons of great coverage of this 2020 season. Uh, It's been a weird year. It's been a strange year, but you're still getting the same great stuff on DRaysBay.com. Recaps, game day threads, tons of great analysis on the season. So make sure to keep checking it out over there. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.